welcome to the Animal Rescue Podcast, which you always wanted to know but didn't know who to ask. We will be talking with different people throughout the animal rescue world, finding answers to the questions you've been wondering. Hi! Hello! How are you? I am good. How are you? I'm great. All right, so we are recording. Yes. So thank you for being a guest on the Animal Rescue Podcast. Um, I just want to start by saying, um, by introducing you to everyone. Um, You are Alex, and you are a zookeeper at a local zoo. Now, zookeeper is a term, right? Yes, that that is my title. Okay. So what, let's just jump in. What do you do as a zookeeper? So zookeeping, um, we kind of all live by this mantra, whether it's at a zoo or at a sanctuary of um, animal care, education, and conservation, which is kind of in a nutshell what we do. (laughs) So I care for the animals. Uh, I have a group of four animals that I take care of on a daily basis all with our mammals and I feed them I give them water I clean their outside enclosures I clean their inside night houses um, everything has to be perfect and I, I mean basically I, I scoop poo but I mean that's part of it they they need everything clean um I we all spend hours just making sure that their exhibits are taken care of but also part of my job is diet prep preparation so I make the diets for all of the animals I care for and then we also do daily enrichment so for instance, two of the animals, or three of the animals that I work with, but two different species, they get at least one enrichment a day, usually more, but that's like the bare minimum. And then another species I work with, just because of how they are, they're constantly moving, they're constantly putting their nose in things it doesn't belong in. <laughs> they That specific animal, which is a bear, um, he gets three enrichments at minimum a day. So what are enrichments? What are some examples of enrichments that you do? So enrichment is anything that gets the animal to do natural behavior and keeps their mind going. So... Uh, for instance, bear, we'll go back to the bear. Bears are extremely destructible um, because they're bears and that's what they do. They like to rub on logs and throw things around and that's just as bears do. So I want to, at my goal as a bear keeper is to make that happen, like make it where he has things to do that. So we'll use boxes or grain bags or whatever I can find. He gets new logs all the time. Of course, all of this is approved by the animal curator or my supervisor and to make sure it's 
a type of log that he can have. It's nothing poisonous or anything. So we just, we spend lots of time coming up with new things. They get balls. He can, uh, he really likes to play in water. Of course, when it's slightly warmer outside. Yes. And we'll put water or balls in the water or food in the water. So he has to go in there and actually get it. All sorts of things just to keep their mind going and constantly thinking and figuring things out. Um, puzzle feeders are probably one of my favorite. And I know you like to do puzzle feeders, at least with Delta. With, yes. Yes, where she has to find it. So we'll put, um, typically our grain bags are have three layers to them. So I'll put food on each layer and then uh, ball it up or something to make it where he has to rip into it. My goodness. Yeah, and so just so he gets to destroy it and have so much fun, but he's he's getting a, a, a reward out of it. He's getting his food, and the food also encourages him to play with it and, and want to engage with the item. Yeah. So what uh, you work with the bear, what other animals do you work with there? So specifically, I work with the Asiatic black bear, and uh, that is an endangered species. I also work with two Sumatran tigers, and they are critically endangered. And then I work with reticulated giraffes. Okay, so that actually leads me into my next question (laughs) about the benefits of zoos. So I have had kind of a roller coaster relationship with zoos. I used to love them. And then I read a couple of things and was like, no, zoos are bad. They're not good for animals. They need to be in the wild. And then now I'm kind of coming back around to, okay, maybe there are some benefits. So if you wouldn't mind talking about some of those. Okay. So um, that kind of goes to education and conservation. So there are some documentaries and I feel like we're both thinking of the same. Um, <laughs> she who shall not be mentioned. And yes. Um, so there are, that is a, there are a few documentaries out there that are straight, nothing but propaganda. And I really like, there's another podcast that is called zoo logic and they, and just in their very first couple of episodes, actually discuss like the difference between what actually happens and the public narrative of what we're taught. And another thing that a lot of zookeepers have to talk about all the time is things are changing. They're constantly changing. We are learning every day. So when you find out like, oh, this setup is not correct. We're also learning that and immediately being required to fix it. So there are places out there that are not necessarily up to standard and we don't like them (laughs) necessarily. So So who sets the standard? So we are yearly or more (laughs) checked up by AZA and USDA and I always get the question USDA comes and checks on y'all like y'all's food yeah that seems so interesting yes but they are also they also look at our mammals so with 
all of the four animals that I work with, they, I mean, they're all bimos, of course. So I have to, like, I get checked all the time. Uh, they, and they show up without notice, just like they would a restaurant or anything. They can just show up and be like, okay, we're going to do a check today. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. So we have to make sure, like, everything is is in good condition because we never know when we're going to be ex- have an inspection or anything. They just will show up and then they can take away licenses. Like we can get wrote up and we have so many months and it has to be fixed. And that's every zoo. That's not just one zoo. That's every single zoo is inspected by the USDA and has to be inspected by the AZA and accredited and all that. So can you talk about what goes into an inspection? Like, what are they looking for or um, how in-depth is the inspection? It goes to the point, just, of course, general health of the animal, making sure they're in their, they look the way that they're supposed to look and everything. Nobody is deathly sick or anything, which, of course, that's not the case. And then... I mean, it goes all the way into, is there chipped paint in the exhibit? Is there, oh my goodness. Yeah, they check all refrigerators. So I have some refrigerators on my routine. And so they go in and they will open my refrigerators. They look into my sinks. They make sure I cannot have a single cobweb in the night house. Wow. Yes. So they are extremely strict, which is awesome. Yeah, for sure. It it holds us to that standard. So whenever people are like, well, zoos are just bad. It's like, no, like these animals eat better than I do. (laughs) Yeah. So what is it about a zoo that um, works on the conservation part of, you know, these animals? I mean, how shouldn't they be in, you know, Africa where they're naturally found or I mean how is it that uh, an American zoo is a good place for some of these animals so for like for that topic we'll talk about the Sumatran tigers which are critically endangered and they I mean tigers in general like everybody's kind of kind of knows that tiger parts are used for ancient medicines and the skins and like all that so poaching really drives numbers down so at the zoo just for just light bags just at the zoo we don't have to worry about these tigers getting poached sure so that those are animals at least those two that we have are like they're gonna get to live die of old age and not be killed yeah so that immediately makes them in a better in a better place. Yeah, makes sense. Yeah, and then <laughs> there's about five hundred, I believe, left in the wild. For oh my goodness, um, that's kind of for a lot of species of tigers. There, there is an extremely low number, and those numbers are coming back because of protection rights and everything but there's just extremely no low numbers of 
a lot of species that are held in zoos. And then we also work, we as in the zoo community as a whole, also work with wildlife rehabs to take animals who are deemed unreleasable. Okay. So those animals have imprinted on humans or there's just for some, like they would not survive in the wild. And there are a lot of animals in zoos that you're like, why would like this animal looks perfectly healthy and happy? Why is it here? You don't know if it was abandoned as a cub or anything like that. And it's like, oh, that animal would not have survived. Okay. Interesting. So, how many animals in your zoo came from wildlife rehabs? I don't know the number exactly. There, we do have a lot of birds that are in like our education program who came from situations like that. Okay. But I do know we have some cougars. We have three cougars who were orphaned and were taken in and they had to be hand raised and the best like they were deemed unreleasable same thing actually goes for the asiatic black bear he had to be hand raised his mom died so i mean he walks like he's not as aggressive or doesn't have the same temperament as a wild moon bear would interesting And so, like, how do animals get to the different zoos throughout the country? Like, is it, that doesn't make sense to me, I guess. (laughs) It's an entire network that is all based through the AZA. Okay. And it links all the zoos and aquariums together. And it allows animals to be traded or given back and forth. So, Typically, animals are not bought from other zoos. They are actually traded or just given. Okay. And it's, it'll be zookeepers that actually go and like pick up the animal and bring it back. Um, and But that's how like everything will be set up before they get it. Um, that's like our Asiatic black bear. He actually came from Georgia um, okay. about six four to six years ago and that they just got a call like hey is everything ready because he's ready to come to y'all and we were able to they were able to go get him and bring him back from where he was originally so it's it's just a net like zoos and aquariums connecting with each other through the AZA and getting that's how we kind of keep track of animals and yeah. records from every day. So I have paperwork that, or we all have paperwork that we fill out every day on the animals. And we, like, all that information gets put into the computer and it's kept up with that, like, every animal basically has their own social security number oh that goodness. follows them all around wherever they were to go. They would have all their information for their whole life just from other zoos and all that that's all kept up with through the AZA. Wow. So what sorts of things do the zookeepers do to kind of minimize the stress of transporting from one zoo to another? 
I personally have not been a part of that, but um, even for setting stuff up to have a situation like that, um, the giraffe, for example, he has a room that is never used except for to do it if we were to do a transfer like whether it be bringing an animal in or sending him out and it's just training constantly training I mean same thing goes for vet checks it's just constantly training keeping up those behaviors and making sure there's something positive and it's it's this isn't a scary situation this is you're going to get something positive out of it okay so that room is used as part of a training process to help keep the animal prepared if you will yeah and like to keep that transition process a positive association just because this is something new somewhere you don't go all the time but it still can be positive okay That's neat. So how can we support zoos as people who don't work there or maybe aren't as involved? Yeah, um, that's an excellent question. I like that. Um, I like to hear support. Um, Yes. (laughs) So just like any other kind of sanctuary or shelter or anything like that, we always I mean, donations are always accepted and you can always kind of label the donation too, just like you would for an animal shelter of like what you want it to go for. So it could be for the animals, for the keepers. Um, You can also adopt a lot of animals. Uh, So there are people who are like, oh, I adopted this bird three years ago and it's their favorite and they come and see it all the time and it gets them really involved like it it makes you feel like you're a part of that and all that money goes back into the zoo back into enrichment items or to help us build better enclosures or find new things helps with diet like it goes straight back into that and then You can also, there are conservation efforts throughout the world that are looking for donations. And then just the simple, like, leaving your your paper footprint or your green footprint. Yeah. To minimize it. I mean, there are lots and lots of animal species who are becoming endangered simply because of a human impact. Like, our footprints are making them go extinct so animals in the ocean and all that like always like reuse reduce recycle right yes so I mean just the basics I mean goes all the way back to that and like making sure we're teaching younger generations the proper way and that I mean that kind of goes back to like plug in your first episode we got to educate yes we have to educate the younger generations and older generations like And that kind of goes back to what we were talking about at the beginning. Like, things are changing. And we're learning every day how to improve the lives of the animals in our care. And how to improve the lives so we don't have to intervene with animals and get them into saving species programs. 
like yeah. we would we would love it if we like every like they we could get them to say like I don't even know how to word this if we didn't have to help save species but we yeah. do and that's kind of also because of us right so it's like we're having to we, we learned that what we were doing uh, humans uh, in general what we were doing was wrong so now we're trying to fix it and just doing that research figuring out which research is true what is just propaganda and figuring out exactly like educating ourselves to see what is true and then to also educate the younger generation to keep it going yeah so what do you recommend for people looking into or doing that research how can you tell the difference between something that is factual versus something that is maybe skewed one way or the other so that can be it can't like because I I dealt with that I was I saw a documentary and I was like you know what I as much as I, I love animals so I, I'm not doing this and it's actually the other way around yeah but I love animals I need to do this so it's more like reading check your sources um see see who's saying it so yeah. like obviously like Dr. Jane Goodall or um, something that would Steve Irwin do it? Like, yeah, thinks that way. That's <laughs> the way to think. Would Steve Irwin support this? And yeah. if the answer is no, then you shouldn't either. <laughs> <laughs> that is a very good rule of thumb. Yes. Um, really quick, mm-hmm. I just realized I didn't ask what is the AZA. Uh, American or Aquarium and Zoo Association. Sorry. Okay. Like and so there for a <laughs> that is just kind of the organization in the United States that no. oversees everything? No, 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 no. It's the Aquarium and Zoo Association. So it's like all of them. So like worldwide? Yes. All, okay. all of them. Every single one. So that might be a good place to start for research. Yes. Right? Okay. Yes. That is an excellent place to start for research, for sure, to do, to look and see if the ACA actually approved it, okay, or if it's on their website, or anything like that. Okay, awesome. Well, Alex, thank you so much for being on. I appreciate this. Um, It was fun to learn more about kind of the inner workings of zoo life and how they they are good. They do a lot of good for the animals of the world. Yes, um, and thank you for having me. This is awesome. Yes. yes. Well, thank you. Have a good rest of your day. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Animal Rescue Podcast. If you like what you hear, please Rate, review, and subscribe, and tell your friends. Thank you.